Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Hi, friends. We're back with another episode, sort of a continuation on from last week's conversation. Uh, So far, the month of March has been kind of dedicated to practitioner-related resources. I know it's not my whole audience, but there sure are a lot of you out there and love hearing from you. I'm so glad this stuff is resonating with you. And also just want to take a moment to uh, express my appreciation to those of you who are so willing to share this resource with your, your friends, your peers, your colleagues. It really just means so much to me, and I uh, super appreciate it. I guess I unintentionally opened a loop and didn't close it last week when I was talking about my constipation. (laughs) So apologies to those of you who have been thinking about my bum for the past week. Um, I'm good. It's all fine. I worked it out. We're good. (laughs) I'm actually going to do, um, I was thinking about this, and I I think it's time to do a a mega episode on constipation soon, so stay tuned for that. I do have a really wonderful constipation episode, pretty darn robust with lots of different resources and tools, but I think I'm going to take that, revamp it, kind of re-enhance it a little bit and go even into more of the nervous system and the energetic piece for you guys. So look forward to that. Um, Last week, we were talking about becoming a better functional practitioner. And I've been thinking a lot about what makes someone a good practitioner. And for me, it really is someone who can bridge the physical and the emotional and the energetic. And I was thinking a lot about this with my week-long constipation struggle because I know that, and I mentioned this a little bit last week, that my that physical issue was 100% due to some emotional shifts I was going through that really impacted my energy body, kind of kicked up some root chakra stuff with safety and support and foundations. And then that impacted my nervous system, which then in turn impacted my physical body. And so all of that needed support. It wasn't a one or the other. It was a and both. So I needed to address the emotional shifts that were happening. And at the same time, my physical body needed support and I had to give it that appropriate support. And so that's what I mean, being able to bridge the two, the physical and the emotional energetic. I talk a lot about the four bodies and I just think that, you know, if you are in wellness, if you plan to get into wellness, this is going to be increasingly more and more and more important. It's always been important, but I think there is more of a, uh, 
an understanding and therefore demand for this kind of work. And really this isn't something that you can do in like a three-day training. This, this stuff, you know, takes some time. Anyway, not the point of the show, just something I've been thinking about. So we are continuing on with last week's conversation where I started to address a question that a new FNA student had written in. She said, I've been feeling some major imposter imposter syndrome feelings. I get so much confidence from Aaron's business stuff, but I also get super nervous about being that person that no one wants to work with because I'm so new. How do you get past this? How do you market yourself in a way that feels true to where you are in your experience without scaring people away with your inexperience? Now, obviously, as an FNA student, they get a direct line into me to ask me questions like this. But because this is such a common struggle for practitioners, not just new practitioners either, just in general, because it's such a common struggle, I wanted to address this question to a wider audience because I think a lot more people need to hear this. And so that's why I'm I turned it into a podcast episode. It was such a robust answer that I turned it into a double podcast episode. So today we're continuing on with last week's conversation, but less from a skill set perspective. I think that that's kind of what we focused on last week. And today is going to be more from a mindset perspective. So being able to work through comparison, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, because these are the things that will hold you back from sharing your gifts. So you can have all the skills in the world. You can have all the training and all the education and all the credentialing in the world, but these are the things that are going to sideline you and prevent you from sharing your unique medicine with the people who need it. And like I said last week in FNA, in the Functional Nutrition Academy, I'll gas you up. I will give you a pep talk anytime you need it pep talk, turn into a pep rally. I will inject you with confidence all the live long day. And also, and also we have the tools to kind of check you when you need to be checked. And I don't say that in a negative way, but just like to make sure that you're practicing in a responsible way. And I was listening to a podcast just this week with a business coach, and the business coach works with wellness professionals. And the wellness professionals were saying to this business coach, ah, gosh, I need more education to get started. I need more help with functional labs. And the business coach's response was, you already know enough to get started. And I sort of cringe when I hear this, and I absolutely understand the sentiment. The only way to get started is to get started. It's taking that imperfect, messy action as a way to increase your confidence. And this can be really great advice, or it can be really irresponsible advice depending on the circumstance. So this is not blanket statement advice, but if it's being delivered as such, if people are just hearing this over and over and over again, that's perhaps why we have brand Nubians thinking they can do all of the things. The the deal is like, if I was a client or a patient, I don't know if I would want someone taking that imperfect, messy action with my health, right? And that's just the reality of the situation. So there has to be, there has to be healthy balance of starting 
before you think you're ready, but doing it with appropriate guidance and support. I'm thinking of an FNA student right now as I talk about this. She came to FNA, she's an RN. So she she already has experience working with a lot of patients and she has done a lot of continuing education and she's learning a lot through FNA and she was really nervous about taking on her first individual like private practice clients. And so there was so much that we had to work through from a confidence perspective because the reality of the situation, she was ready and she did have the appropriate training and she does have the appropriate support and guidance and mentorship through FNA. So for her, it was really more about a confidence issue of like, hey, you just got to get started. Let's go. But that's not true for everybody. And so there has to be some self-assessment and some self-awareness about where you are on that spectrum. It really reminds me of a chart that I once saw in a lecture. It's a bell curve. And I always chuckle about this because it's so it's so on point. Um, but the beginning of the bell curve, so down at the bottom right of the graph, is the beginner and the novice. And it's like, I know nothing. You're just starting out. You're just starting out. You're an absolute noob. And you're like, I know nothing. And then as time goes on, the bell curve starts to form. And right at the top of the bell curve is the intermediate. And the intermediate says, I'm an expert. I am an expert, self-appointed expert. And then as time goes on, the bell curve starts to slope downward. And once you become an advanced practitioner, you're back to, I know nothing, right? It's so true and it's so funny. Um, and it, I, I think of the only, we talk to a lot of FNA prospects and a lot of people who are interested in FNA and are trying to assess, it, like, is this the right fit for me? The only people that I've ever talked to, like IRL, who have referred to themselves as experts are usually like the super young, super green, like they've been practicing for less than four years type of practitioner. They've like self-labeled as expert. And it's just, it's a funny thing. I've talked to a lot of my uh, seasoned colleagues about this. It's just, perhaps it's just, uh, like a rite of passage. I certainly, I, re- I can remember one point in particular, it was about six, maybe seven years ago. And I referred to myself, I was only talking to my mom. So <laughs> there's that. But I remember referring to myself as a SIBO expert. And I'm like, cringe, 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 cringe. When I think about it now, I'm like, oh, I'm going to think about that one for a while. Um, the point is, this is, this is kind of, this is where the self-awareness can come into place. Like, where are we really with our skill sets? Um, have you guys heard of the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect? It's this cognitive bias where a person's lack of knowledge or a person's lack of skills causes them to overestimate their own competence or their own ability. And it can also include the opposite effect for more of the high performers or people who excel in a given area. They have a tendency to underestimate their skills. Um, they think that, you know, the, the task, because it's, you know, because they're, they've sort of mastered this, then everybody has mastered this. So they don't really see their expertise. And I think that that's sometimes where I, 
tend to see practitioners get a little stuck. And so the, the FNA, um, the FNA student who's the RN that I, that I was just referring to, she has, like, we had a one-on-one and I'm like, you know, so much, like you really do what she was. I wasn't just saying that to gas her ass up. I was like, no, she's like, you, you know what you're doing. So like now you actually have to take that knowledge and put it into practice and go help people. And that's kind of the beauty. And I would say the necessity of mentorship. It really allows us to start before we think we're ready. And another way to start before you think you're ready, uh, but also not inadvertently take on too much, is being open to collaborations and referrals. This is a big one. We actually have several modules on this in FNA because I think it's that important. I think the best practitioners are the ones who do this. And it's all about recognizing your own limitations, your own limitations in skill set, your own limitations in scope of practice, but even in bandwidth, like how much can you take on at any given time? Um, I think what happens, I've seen this enough to, to say that I think this is a trend. Some people seek out a functional provider because they don't trust the conventional model anymore. And so as a functional provider, you can put pressure on yourself to be all of the things, to know all of the things. Like you're trying to be a specialist and a therapist and a, and a, and a, you know, all in one fell swoop. And this I think can even be worse if you have a strong bias against the conventional medical model. And you know, all of this is understandably so in some cases, but it can definitely put you in a position where you're trying to punch above your own weight. And What's important to understand with this work is that a functional approach is not, especially if you are a functional nutritionist, it's not a replacement for medical treatment. It was never meant to be. The tools that you're using, let's say you've only been trained in like a GI map in a Dutch test, you might miss something really significant that basic conventional medicine would have found, like a basic blood workup from conventional medicine would have found. You know, uh, two weeks ago, Rachel was talking about the comp panel and she says that's a non-negotiable for all of her clients. And that's not necessarily typical for a functional nutritionist to do. Uh, it is not uncommon in functional practices to kind of ignore the basic evaluations and jump right into high-level testing in protocols. And uh, I love what Datis Karazian says about this. He says, functional medicine model doesn't work without basic diagnosis. So we're not trying to bypass this. This is in addition to, you know, it's not in replace of. And I think that that's just such an important thing that's really under discussed in the functional space. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. Okay, podcast buddies, I want to take a sec to shout out Organifi Green Juice because I have had my family drinking a lot of it lately. We recently had our well water tested and guess what? We found out that we have arsenic and uranium in our drinking water. Not crazy uncommon for New Hampshire, but still pretty gnarly. So I'm using Organifi Green Juice as part of a gentle detox support. It's got wheatgrass, moringa, spirulina, chlorella, matcha, 
All of these dense green powders can be extremely supportive here. The green juice also has a clinical dose of ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen that I love for stress reduction, relaxation, healthy immune system, healthy hormones. It comes in two flavors. Both taste great. We've got original, which is like a minty flavor, and then crisp apple. Also, Organifi powders are glyphosate residue free, which is a really big deal when you're buying any superfood powders, especially if you're doing it with the intention of helping you detoxify. So you can head to Organifi.com forward slash funk to save 20%. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash F-U-N-K to save yourself 20%. We also want to thank our other show sponsor, In episode 233, Protein Intake in Building Muscle Mass, I talked about why Keon Aminos is my fundamental supplement for fitness. We discuss it in a lot of detail. Amino acids make up half of your solid body mass. After water, they're the second most abundant substance in your body. Your body can make some amino acids, but essential amino acids like Keon Aminos really have to be obtained through protein or supplementation. And if you're deficient in them, you will not be able to build new muscle. Keon Aminos isn't just good for muscle. I've also noticed more energy, better recovery as well. It contains all nine essential amino acids. It's backed by over 20 years of clinical research. Super clean, tastes amazing with awesome flavors. Mango and lime are my favorite. If you are ready to simplify your supplement routine and you want to save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases, go to getkion.com forward slash funk. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash funk. Funk to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. All right, back to the show. So we really have to know and get comfortable with when it is appropriate to refer out. There have been quite a few clients who I had to recognize that I'd reached the end of my tool bag and my skill set and my scope with them. And there's really two options in this scenario, depending on the you know, the actual scenario. One is go to your mentor and get help. And there's certainly been many times that I did that. But another one is to refer out. And this could be to refer out to somebody's primary care physician. This could be refer refer out to uh, a specialist like a rheumatologist or a gastroenterologist. Um, I mean, we get a lot of GI maps, right? And there are certain things on a GI map that I'm like, you need you need a, to go to a gastroenterologist. Like this isn't, we're not dicking around with some supplements here. This could be a big thing. And I tend to be pretty conservative in those situations. Go get a proper conventional GI workup. I think we have to uh, play nice with the conventional model rather than kind of take on the responsibility like we're replacing it altogether. That's not really the move. That's not really the intention of this. And with FNA students, we've seen labs where we're like, no, 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 no. Like this is conventional medicine. Like this is do not pass go, do not collect $200, like refer out. And it doesn't even mean you have to necessarily discontinue care. You can collaborate with other providers. You can help somebody build a team. A lot of our clients work simultaneously with other practitioners. We have uh, relationships with local naturopaths and other 
providers so that we can make sure that our clients are getting the appropriate support that they need. And so you can start to see how the business advice of you already have all the tools you need to do everything you need to do can actually be problematic and harmful, right? So again, we need to find a balance. And I will say that for the clients that I've had to refer out to, it never ended badly or with any animosity. There was always open communication, transparency, and they understood that I'm making these recommendations for them, not just to like pass the buck. Um, You know, I'm always trying to recommend next steps in these situations. And it doesn't mean, and I want you to hear this, if you've drifted off, come back to me now. It does not mean that you have failed somebody if you have to refer them to somebody else. It doesn't mean that you failed somebody. And it certainly doesn't mean that they have failed at healing. And I think this needs to be made perfectly clear, especially for some of our clients who have been through the ringer and have probably some like abandonment issues with their healthcare providers. I think it's fair to say I certainly would put myself in the category, you know, years ago of like, gosh, nobody can help me. I'm a lost cause. I'm so hopeless. People just give up on me, right? We want to make sure that that's not happening. They're not failing. I think the only failure is being too afraid to admit either to yourself or to your client that you've reached your limitation. So what people do in this scenario is they just keep going. They'll throw more like random supplements at it or um, just keep doing more and more and more expensive testing rather than just say, hey, like, I don't know if I'm the person for the job anymore. And I honestly, I think this comes less from a place of ego and just more from a place of not wanting to disappoint somebody and not wanting to let somebody down because we get into this field to help people. We want to help people, but sometimes the best help we can provide is knowing when they need other help. And it's not a failure on anybody's behalf. So this is really why, and this is a, opens up like a way bigger conversation uh, that we don't necessarily have time to get into today, but this is why we can't base our self-worth as a practitioner on people's outcomes. It really kind of creates some energetic fuckery with your clients because you are basing your sense of worth off of them. I do unpack this. I think it's in the boundaries course. That actually puts way too much pressure on somebody else. And they didn't sign up for that. You know, they didn't sign up for working with you so they could bolster your sense of self. And I don't say that to be fresh or sassy. It was understanding this for me that allowed me to take like a lot of pressure off of myself and show up for my clients in a different way. And you have to understand that somebody's ability to heal isn't always directly related to you. And I think that's something we have to really learn to understand as practitioners. And honestly, this is why I say it all the time, growing a business or growing a private practice requires so much inner work. That's why we bake a lot of um, a lot of the inner work stuff into the Functional Nutrition Academy. Not everybody signs up looking for that, but somewhere along the way of building out their own infrastructure of their own practice, like you, you need it. You need it time and time again. So that kind of brings me to the second talking point of today, which is comparison and self-doubt. Ugh, right? <laughs> um, 
one of our FNA students just wrote in our community, I find myself going back and re-listening to FNA business modules when I'm having self-doubts or just one of those weeks. And I had a pep talk with myself this week about making opportunities happen for myself by the energy I'm cultivating and attracting. And I'm like, damn, what a move. And it makes me so happy because so much of this is infused into these modules as I create them. My intention is that my students will watch them and then rewatch them and then listen and re-listen so they can get like a little power up every single time they need it. I certainly do this for myself. Um, I've perched, I sometimes will listen to my own stuff. Um, and there's something about like hearing your own voice back. That's like kind of medicine. Um, but I also have purchased a lot of online courses. And I'll just come back to the videos time and time again, anytime I'm feeling self-doubt. Uh, and it helps me shift out of that, that self-doubt. Like it helps me shift my vibration so I can call in more of what I'm looking for too. So I love that people are using those modules like by design. So comparison, we really don't we, I, I'm about to say something you're like, yeah, no doubt. Like heard it a million times before if I've heard it once. But I want to give you perhaps a, a way to look at it that you haven't been looking at it before. We don't want to compare ourselves to other people, you know. It's great instead to, I don't even like to use the word compare, but to examine where we are now versus where we were before. There's a whole book written on this idea. It's called The Gap in the Gain, and it's co-written by two people. Is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. He's a psychologist. And the other one is Dan Sullivan. He is a entrepreneur coach. He's been working with um, like CEOs and you know, that kind of thing for 30 years. So they wrote this book together. It's called The Gap and the Gain. And uh, Dan Hardy, who's been working with, you know, high-powered individuals for a long time, says that the secret of success, and by success, I don't just mean financial success or entrepreneurial success. I mean like happiness, you know, like holistic success. Like I enjoy my life. I've created this thing and I get to be happy. I get to be at peace. I get to enjoy the thing that I've created. And he says the secret to this is focusing on the gain. And he said that most people, most high achievers focus on the gap. And if we want more success, we have to focus on the gain. So let me explain to you the difference. The gap is where you are right now in comparison to where you want to be. So you're looking ahead at the goal or the next step, and you're comparing where you are right now to where you want to be. That's the gap. And so you're hyper fixated on the gap. And really, what we need to do is put most of our focus and emphasis and attention and you know, gratitude and appreciation on the gain, which is where I am right now compared to where I used to be. And the idea in this book really was a, a game changer for me because I am very, um, I'm a goal-oriented person. I am a high achiever. I like setting goals. I like the high that I get from reaching goals. The beauty of the work that I get to do in setting my goals is that I get to help 
people. So like, it's like kind of like a win-win, you know? Um, but I can get very caught up in like onto the next, onto the next, onto the next. And so what I really had to train myself, and this is an ongoing practice, is to focus on, gosh, here I am and like, look how far I've come and like soak that in, have appreciation for that. And it's a game changer. And so that's, I don't want to say, you know, people are like, well, don't compare yourself to other people, compare yourself to yourself. And I'm like, oh, that still feels like a little, I don't know, unhealthy to me, but instead focus on the, the gap and the gain scenario and apply that to your life and and let me know like how does that change the game for you because I know I know that it will let's take a quick break so we can talk about element I'm so pumped to hear that you guys are digging this stuff I knew you would it's so freaking tasty I did get a question about sodium somebody asked if I was concerned with the sodium content and the answer is not at all in fact that's why I sought out element as my electrolyte drink of choice Active athletes, especially during hot weather, can lose up to seven grams of sodium per day just through sweat alone. And in order to replete that, to replace that, we need both water and sodium so we can reestablish appropriate and proper hydration. I'm active. I like to do hot yoga. Honestly, on my hot yoga days, I actually double down on Element. I know many of you are active as well. So this is something that we really should be mindful of. Salt has been villainized. It's not the bad guy. We need salt. We need minerals. We need electrolytes. And if you want to do it in a yummy way, Element is your thing. So right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So that's eight packets for free with any element order. It's a great way to try the flavor, see what you like. And you can get it at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal is only available through my link. You got to go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash funk. You also get a no questions asked refund. So try it risk-free. You're going to love it. And if you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's dream set, functional nutrition podcast listeners get 15% off with code funk. Go to helloned.com forward slash funk or enter code funk at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. I'll say that the major problem with comparing yourself um, and why comparing yourself is a losing battle, you're comparing skill set or your audience or your practice to somebody else, is that you have unique skills that others don't have. So you cannot compare your zone of genius to someone else's zone of genius. That's why I spent so much time last week talking about strengths. I mentioned two resources, The Big Leap, which is a book, and then Clifton Strengths Finder, which is an online quiz that gives you a report. Um, both of these two things combined really helped me better understand this for myself. And I find that the more I allow myself to operate in my zone of genius, the less doubt I feel. Or maybe... Maybe I should say it this way. Um, I think this is probably more of an accurate statement. The more I allow myself to operate in my zone of genius, the easier it is for me to guide myself through self-doubt. Because I do experience self-doubt. I'm a human. Of course I do. Um, But the less time 
I spend like wallowing in self-doubt. I don't allow the self-doubt to hold me back. So zone of genius, that's why I talked about it last week. Those, the things I talked about last week are unique to me. So I have to play to my strengths. That's my responsibility. But that doesn't mean that you need to play to my strengths, right? And that's what I mean. Like don't compare yourself to somebody else because you might be comparing two completely different sets of strengths. We we spend a lot of time unpacking the whole comparison thing in the energetics of expansion. So that, just so you know, is a course. Everybody in the Functional Nutrition Academy gets access to that course. They get access to all the courses that I build out for business and entrepreneurship. But you can also buy that one as like a a standalone. Uh, You get a bundle. It's the energetics of expansion, the energetics of being seen, and also the boundaries course because they all kind of work together. They all build off of each other. So just, just know that that is available to you whenever you want to purchase it. And then one last thing I'll say about the comparison thing. When you're comparing or comparing yourself to others, You have to think about what are the goals and the intentions that you have for yourself because they may be very different than somebody else's goals and intentions. So you're not really comparing apples to apples. Um, One of my FNA students wrote in um, to me about the podcast we released two weeks ago, and she said, OMFG, this week's podcast is everything. I love the first six minutes so much. Focus on getting visible or going viral. But bro, can you even get results though? If I could frame minute 505, I would. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Made me feel so great. I may be small in reach, but I make huge differences. Thank you, thank you again and again. This is the perspective that we have to keep if we're going to do the comparison game. Because again, I will reiterate and underscore, you don't know what you're comparing yourself to. So this student is making, she doesn't have a huge account, but she's making huge impact in her practice. What's your fucking goal? You know, like you got to know that. Do you want to have a huge Instagram account or do you want to make a huge difference? They're not mutually exclusive, but like, what is your goal? Because I will tell you, I will tell you this. This is kind of the premise of energetics of expansion. It takes a tremendous amount of inner growth to support the outer growth. It is okay if it is not your goal to have a huge audience. It takes huge energy to hold that. If that's not where you want to focus, that's okay. But stop comparing yourself to what the huge accounts are doing, okay? And then last thing I will say to kind of sum up this little mini segment is this is a good take home point. So again, if you've tuned out, come back to me now. There is a difference between healthy ego checks and balances and crippling self-doubt. The first one keeps you from punching above your weight. It keeps you grounded, right? That's what we spent the first portion of this episode discussing. The second one keeps you from making any forward momentum. So healthy ego checks and balances is usually a really positive thing. Allowing crippling self-doubt to sideline you is usually not. And so that brings me into our third topic, which is everybody's favorite, imposter syndrome. And I say this in the energetics of expansion, 
We have a whole ass module, 90 minute module on imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is not always a problem with feeling like a fraud. It's often an issue of not knowing who you are, not knowing your own goals, your own intentions, your own desires, not understanding your own zone of genius, or and or not trusting that who you are is good enough. And I know I keep talking about the zone of genius, but man, it's a good one. It's the same thing. It's like once I really give myself permission to just occupy my zone of genius, like I trust that I am good enough. I trust that like this is my this is my role, man. This is my mission. This is what I'm here to do. And it kind of obliterates that imposter syndrome because I can't be an imposter of myself. So I'm just showing up, shining shining as me. I, I'm not being an imposter of me. Some people won't like it. I'm good with that. I've been in like the quote unquote public eye long enough to just get like some people don't like me. Okay, a lot of people do. Cool, let's move on. What does the barber say? Next move on. Um, in the energetics of expansion, I say imposter syndrome is the symptom, but not knowing yourself is the root cause. And this is why I've said it before, and I will continue to say it again. Your relationship to yourself is the most important relationship you have. My favorite poet, Nayira Wahid, this is her poem. She says, you must write yourself before you can write anything else. The most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. And this does not mean that your relationships with others don't matter. It's just that if you're not right with you, then none of those other relationships can really prosper. And this extends to your clients or your employees. This extends to your business relationships. This whole concept gets compounded in business. If your sense of self is predicated on external validation, that's not really stable, my dude. That's pretty flaky and shaky. So build a relationship with yourself. Sit in integrity with yourself. This is how we start to pull on the threads of imposter syndrome. There has been so many times and so many episodes that I've talked about creating space that this is so important. Create space to get to know with yourself. Create space to sit with yourself. Episode 123, creating your morning, morning ritual. It's a banger. Go re-listen to that. Episode 222, creating sacred space for healing and transformation. It's a banger. Go listen to that. Episode 215, I talked about business growth, expansion, and going viral. We unpack a lot of these concepts. It's a banger. Go listen to that. Really put these in your ear holes and then map out the space in your life to develop a relationship with yourself. And hey, guess what? You're always changing. You're a human. You're always evolving. Growth and evolution over a lifetime. You're doing the thing. So creating the space to be in relationship with yourself is an ongoing project. It is not a set it and forget it. It's not a one and done. It's something that you have to keep on keeping on with. So map that out now. All right. Fourth thing I'm going to talk about, and I'm looking at the clock and I've got to leave for yoga in 15 minutes. So I got to wrap this up. Um, building rapport. And to me, rapport is like feeling at home with somebody, right? It's like a level of comfort and trust. And so if you want to be a good practitioner, 
You have to be able to develop this rapport with your potential clients or your clients. And the reason that I'm bringing this up now in this part of the conversation, because this work is predicated on you knowing yourself and you having a relationship for or with yourself. Because if you can't hold space for you, how can you do it for somebody else? And this is such a missed part of the whole conversation. We talk as as wellness providers and uh, healers and you know whatever you want to call yourself, practitioners. There's a lot of talk about holding space for others. But like, can you hold space for you? Because that's what you got to start with. So building rapport is there's some practical strategies you can do. You want to give people a taste of your personality. You want to give people a taste of how you practice. So you might do this in a discovery call. You might use social media for this. You know, podcasting is one of the ways that people can get to know me. So by the time they are making a buying decision, they kind of know my whole shtick. They know what I'm about. They've either opted in or they've opted out. They've already built, chances are if you've been listening to me for a minute, like we've already built some You've already built some trust, right? You already kind of like know what I'm about. And that's why I love to have people start with listening. I never want somebody to buy anything from me cold. I want them to catch a vibe and decide, do you like me? Do you like my style? You know, because I'm a unique character. I swear unapologetically. I talk about witchy things. You know, a lot of the focus of my focus is on energy and emotional body. That's not right for everybody, but it's right for me. And because I've spent the time to build a relationship with myself, I can stand really grounded in that truth. I'm not going to shape shift myself to meet someone else's needs. I can't reinvent my personality for each and every client I see. It is so important that our work feels like a safe space for us to exist in. If we feel safe in our work, then we can hold big, deep, tremendous space for our client's transformation. So this is why I say it starts with you, my dude. If you can't hold space for you, how can you do it for somebody else? If you haven't built rapport with you, how can you do it with somebody else? If you don't trust you, how can you build trust with somebody else? So building rapport super duper important to be a good practitioner, but remember that that work starts within. And then the final thing we're going to talk about today is marketing. So being willing and able to tell people what you do and how you can help. Because in order to help people, you have to have the education in the training, in the skill set to help people, right? It's what we talked about last week. It's what we started today's shows with. And And also, you have to have people to help. (laughs) So this is where marketing comes in. Um, I have this written down in quotes, so I don't know. I must have written it down because it stuck out to me, but I don't know who said it. Some people have mediocre skills and huge practices just because they are able to get their information out there and connect with people, right? We need to have a way to have people know what we do. We need to have a way to have people know how we can help. And I acknowledge that many of us did not get into the field of nutrition or health to sell or to market. If we loved marketing so much, we probably would have gone to business school. 
Good thing your girl did both. So I can talk about both. Uh, Because here we are. The reality of the situation is here we are. We're building private practices or side gigs or social media followings or platforms or companies or teams. And we have to have the ability to market our skill sets. Even if you don't want to start your own business, you still need the ability to market your skill set. We just went through a hiring process and we had somebody say, it's hard for me to self-promote. I'm like, well, that's a fundamental problem because in order for me to hire you, I need to know how you can help me. I need to know what your skill sets are. So this is important even if, like I said, your goal isn't to build your own company or you build your own business or build your own private practice, you still have to have the ability to communicate to people how you can help them. And that's why we have to reframe selling. Selling is as simple as you acknowledge, you recognize that somebody else has a problem, and then you recognize that you have the solution. And then you're willing to tell somebody about it. That's what it is at its core. Selling gets a bad rap. Marketing puts a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But we have to overcome those uh, held limiting beliefs that we have about selling so that we can put our work on blast and help more people. And this is a practice. It's okay if you are not good at this. That's one of the number one things I hear from practitioners. I'm not good at selling. Right, you got to practice it, right? Like any other discipline. You're always cultivating it. You're always working toward a new level. You have to practice carrying your energy through a period of selling. And that is part of the beauty of Functional Nutrition Academy is that we have business support. We have business mentorship. We have trainings on all of this. So it gives you the opportunity to practice. It gives you the space and the support and the camaraderie to cultivate it as a practice. Just yesterday, we had one of our Q&As. We have bi-weekly live Q&As. And one of my FNA grads wrote to me afterwards and she said, that Q&A was super helpful. I feel like you gave me a free business lesson. Really appreciate it, Erin. Thank you so much, right? So there is that support for you there. We're going to practice this together because nobody expects you to be good at it right out of the gate, but you do have to let people know how you can help if you want to be a good practitioner, right? You got to get people in the door to help. And sometimes you're the one that has to bring them in the door. So we have got a lot of resources for you if you need help with that. And in fact, March's masterclass is back to business basics. So we're like unpacking things from the very start. So there's a lot of resources to help you along the way throughout FNA. We are going to be closing registration at the end of the month for spring cohort. So make sure if you haven't done so already, if you're interested in FNA, apply, go to the website, functionalnutritionacademy.com. You can set up a discovery call with our team to find out if you're a good fit. And we'd love to have you for our April kickoff. I hope this episode was helpful for you. Share it with a friend or a colleague if it was, and I will check you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.